I teach at my sons on Wednesdays and we've been going through the life of David for about the past 18 months. Not quite done yet because uh, there's a lot to uh, to David's life. But uh, that's what we've been going over and doing. Um, and since I kind of came at this uh, yesterday, I, we, I was talking with Ryan and um, and I let him know if you need uh, some help because of everything going on. I'll be happy to help because I prepare to do this with the boys. Um, we're just going to talk about David because that's something that I've been prepared to uh, talk about and, and teach about. And today, specifically, uh, we'll be looking at him as the fugitive king, uh, the fugitive king. So I'm going to share with you. Let me get to the scripture that we'll be starting with and then we'll go over some things what before i start sharing um with him now excuse me <coughs> i like for things to be interactive as uh, many of you all know so uh, please get your your chatting fingers ready because i'll be asking questions um and i want you all to kind of throw out uh, some answers, just things that you know or that you think about uh, the questions that are being asked, which is primarily about David. So, uh, again, he was a fugitive. Who was David? Well, David was a fugitive actually more than once, but uh, in the beginning of his life, who was he a fugitive from? Anyone know who was David a fugitive from? While you're getting this together, he was anointed as the second king of Israel as a teenager. We know that he slew Goliath and became a son-in-law to the king. Uh, all right, Sharita said, "Saul." I believe she meant Saul, and that is correct. Saul, the first king of Israel, is who David was fugitive from. And not only was he the king of Israel, he was also David's son, I mean, father-in-law. Uh, David rose through the ranks after killing Goliath and became captain of the guard, which is pretty much the equivalent of, or I should say, the guard is the king's guard. This is like the secret service. And of the soldiers assigned to protect the king, David was over them. So he was very, very close to the king. Uh, so much so that after killing Goliath, he said to uh, Dave, was like, look, you're not going back home anymore. You're staying here with me. So that's uh, that's kind of the, the relationship that Saul and David had in the beginning. Unfortunately, though, Saul was an insecure man and his insecurities got the best of him. Uh, and he had a history of insecurity when he was anointed king and they went to call for him. And then just to give a, a little history on Saul, Saul, the Bible said, stood head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel, which meant that he was literally about a foot taller than everybody else in Israel at the time that he was uh, crowned king. And what did he do when it was time for him to be presented to the people as king after Samuel anointed him? He went hiding. This big old man, you bigger than everybody else in the kingdom. 
and you're trying to hide. But that was the insecurity, or that shows the, the insecurity that was deep-seated within Saul. Um, as a matter of fact, even after that uh, anointing or him being put forth as king, the Israelites really didn't claim him as king. It was like, okay, that guy, that you mean that, that big old guy, big old scary guy that was hiding, we had to pull out from the barn? Okay, that's a king? All right. It wasn't until the Ammonites came and said, look, we'll make a treaty with you, Israel. The treaty will be that we put out your eyes. So they were like, look, we're just going to take over you. There's no treaty. Word got to Saul. Saul had just got done plowing his fields. He had a couple oxen with him. Killed those oxen, sent them out among the people because they uh, told the Ammonites, like, look, give us seven days so that we can figure out what we're going to do, whether we're going to um, surrender peacefully or, you know, we're going to go to war. They uh, did that. That's rules of engagement. They allowed it. Saul uh, mustered up the troops and went out and killed the Ammonites. And then they were like, okay, you're king. You can be our king now because we see how you're acting and what you're doing. And the Lord had to give him strength. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him to do that. So he went out and, and they started calling him king. But again, he was insecure. And he was insecure when it came to David. Um, anyone know what led him to uh, to be insecure about David. I'm just throw some things out. I'm gonna share. Um, I'm gonna share the scripture with you in just a moment. But what caused Saul to be so insecure about David? It's something that we don't really think about uh, specifically, but uh, it's very important. A, a song that women sang. That is absolutely correct. It was all about a song. So even before Spotify, uh, Apple Music, SoundScan, SoundCloud, you know, whatever ways that we go about tracking music, there were hit records before that. David had a hit record uh, that the, the women would sing. And we see that in Samuel 18. I'm share my screen with you give me just a minute that's right Saul killed his thousands and David killed his ten thousands that's where it all began all right we'll go to that scripture really quickly mm -mm. okay can you all see um can you all see the the scripture take that as a yes Need to get rid of some things i am one who when it comes to working too much clutter uh, bothers me so um so yes here in verse six and seven actually just going back to five david marched out with the army and was successful in everything saul sent him to do Saul put him in command of his soldiers, which pleased all the people and Saul's servants as well. As the troops were coming back, when David was returning from the king, uh, from the killing of the Philistine, the women came out from all the cities of Israel to meet King Saul, singing David, I mean, singing and dancing with their tambourines 
and with three string instruments they celebrated as they celebrated the women sang saul has killed his thousands and david has killed his ten thousands let's just go back a little bit over that because you can see how this really messed with saul's psyche they came out to meet saul they didn't come out to meet david they came out to meet king saul and when they came out to meet him just amongst a couple people trying to get in let me help them get in but as they were coming out to meet saul they sang a song yeah saul killed his thousands and david killed his ten thousands even if you're not insecure that's gonna mess with your mind and for saul it made him furious he resented the song like they credited uh tens of thousands to david he complained but but they only credited me with thousands what more can he have but the kingdom so now he's like wait a minute if they're saying all that well shoot that what what's left but for him to be king and if he's king that means i can't be king so saul watched jealously i should say saul watched david jealously from that day forward stop sharing for a moment so i can get back to my notes and i can see everything else and let people in yeah <laughs> right uh and that that song that song was a hit he had a major hit on his hands and um and that song would, would carry on for a while and influence and impact his life um okay so again now saul is all scared and nervous and like okay well i, I guess he's gonna be king you know now and saul had reason to be scared and nervous it's because Saul had been rejected as king. Why was he rejected as king? He was rejected as king because he did not do what the Lord said to do. Just before David was anointed and before he killed uh, Goliath, Saul was at war with the Amalekites. And the Lord was like, look, I'm sick of these Amalekites and the things that they have done to my people. I want you to kill them, kill them all, kill everything that's there. Don't leave man, woman, child, goat, cockroach. Don't leave anything alive. Kill it all. And Saul went and uh, the children of Israel went and they took over the land and they didn't kill everybody. They did not kill the king. Saul kept the king specifically and they kept some uh some animals some livestock and things of that nature saul comes in is like hey i what's all this sheep that i hear uh bleeding going bad bad lord told you to kill everything and you know saul put it on people oh well you know the people they they wanted to keep it so i i, I let them keep you you know they they were asking to keep it so i let them it was like and here's the king too what's wrong with you so samuel then kills the king of uh, amalek and lets Saul, no, the Lord's rejected you as king because you're not keeping his promises. So Saul understandably had reason to be insecure and reason to think, well, I guess he's going to be next in line since I know I'm, I'm getting ready to head out. So again, he he just started causing all kind of trouble for David after uh, the hit song. So uh 
Samuel anointed David. After this happened, Saul tries to kill David multiple times, including ordering Jonathan to do it. Now, that's something I did not see until I was preparing for this uh, today, like just before I was going over my notes and going over the scripture and things of that nature. And in First uh, Samuel chapter 19, verse one, and we'll I'll pull that up real quick share with everyone so you can see with your own eyes because i again that was something that was kind of news to me that not only was he trying to kill david but he had jonathan who everybody knew that jonathan and david were thickest thieves that they had a love that was just like unparalleled for one another and he's telling jonathan go kill david here it is. Saul ordered his son Jonathan and all his servants to kill David. It's like, man, you know, you're really asking a lot. Now, granted, he believed that the throne should be Jonathan's because kings pass it down uh, through uh, their lineage, through birth, and by birthright, Jonathan should be the king. So, actually, understandably, if Jonathan is to be the king, then he would kill David. But because of their relationship and because of the um, the covenant that they had Jonathan wasn't going to do that he was not going to do that so let me stop sharing real quick because I so I can get back to my notes I don't know if me put or better yet let me do this let me know if you can still see the screen with my notes or if it's halfway and if it's halfway then I'll stop sharing when I'm just going off my notes and if it's not halfway then We'll just leave it be. All right. Am I blocking the screen? Somebody let me know, please. Looking for a chat. Okay. While I'm looking in and waiting for that. Um, so David, again, he's fleeing from Saul. Excuse me. Uh, Saul's trying to kill him. He ordered Jonathan to kill him. David flees again. Then Saul tries to kill Jonathan for helping him, uh, helping David escape. And each time he was throwing javelins, or I should say spears at people. Spears uh, were what David liked to, or not David, Saul liked to use uh, when it came to his weaponry. Uh, as you go on and you read the, um, the account of david and saul as they're running you'll see at one point um when david goes in and takes the spear the spear and the uh water jug that the spear was right at saul's head this is how saul got down this was his weapon of choice so he seemed like he was throwing that spear at a lot of people but i guess he was just good at using it up close or uh, just being the guy was gracious. But everybody that we know of, he threw that spear at, he didn't hit him. Didn't hit David, didn't hit Jonathan. Uh, but anyway, so David is fleeing again. Um, and David goes to the city of Nob, which we'll go on in uh, chapter 21, which is where it's located. So uh, just some history on Nob. Nob was a city of priests. We know that in Israel, each uh, each tribe within their land had to provide a portion of their land 
for the Levites, for the priesthood. And Nob was in the city of Benjamin. And um, Saul, when he reigned, he reigned from Gibeah, which was in Benjamin. So that was the first capital of Israel. Uh, that's where Saul reigned from. Jerusalem uh, did not become the place where kings reigned until after David took over the kingdom of Israel as a whole. He started his reign as the king of Judah in Hebron. Uh, but we won't go too much further into that, at least not today. So David is fleeing through Nob. Oftentimes the cities where the priests were were considered sanctuary cities. Don't know if that was necessarily the case for Nob, but he went to Nob. And when he went there, he sought Ahimelech, who was one of the priests. So he sought him. It's like, hey, um, or better yet, he even just here. When he got there, Ahimelech was like, what are you doing here by yourself? It's like, oh, I'm on a secret mission for the king. It's like, okay. David's like, uh, can I have some bread? You know, I need about five loaves. And he was like, well, the only bread I have is the sacred bread. It's like, you know, the, uh, your young men can't eat it if they've been, you know, with a woman. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't let uh, my men be with women uh, or defile themselves with women while uh, they're out and serving. It's like that. That's not allowed, which that makes what happened with Uriah uh, and Bathsheba make that much more sense as to why even in his drunken state, he would not go and be with his wife because it's known when you're serving David, you know, when you're out and about and you're in battle that you don't get caught up in stuff like that. But anyway, like I said, I, I, I digress. So he talks with Ahimelech, asking him to seek the Lord on his behalf, asking for some bread, got some bread. And then he asked for a weapon. He's like, well, we don't we don't have any weapons here. And he's like, about the only sword we have, as you can see here in verse nine, is the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the Valley of Elah. It's here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod if you will well if you want to take it for yourself then take it for there's none other here and david said there's none like it give it to me and that made me think of uh this i got a little clip to play for you you got a light buddy yeah sure okay. there you go and your wallet Crocodile Dundee from the 80s. Uh, may want to go try to view that uh, at your leisure if you're not familiar with it. Y'all didn't see anything? Oh, but you you can see the Bible, right? Okay. So can you all see the screen right now? You can see me. Okay. Well, uh, that didn't work. So I'll just tell you, uh, Crocodile Dundee pulls out a real big knife, a, a army knife, about as long as my arm, 
versus a little switchblade that the thug had trying to uh, rob him and said that's a knife it, again that's what the scripture uh brought to my mind it's like oh there's no other not there's no other sword like it. you think that's a sword no i got a real sword so anyway it was just a, a nice little diversion my attempt to uh bring in some kind of visual to make things stick uh swing and a miss so <laughs> we'll keep things moving um so anyway david gets goliath's sword and then he flees to gath all right now i'm throwing out questions again i'm gonna stop sharing throwing out questions again gath does anyone know oh wow it's a lot of chats that i did not see uh oh video work for me okay so uh heather saw it but i guess everyone else uh didn't see it um um anyway david flee to gath gath was a city in philistia uh what do we know about david's relationship with the philistines okay it, it worked all right i'm glad that uh, it wasn't a, a total miss uh, but what, what do we know about David's relationship with the Philistines what do we know about David and the Philistines yeah possibly right anything what, what do we know about David and the Philistines there's a certain Philistine that uh, David got made or I should say that made David popular and, and something that we still talk to david about today he killed their leader okay yes he killed their champion killed goliath that's it yep and guess where goliath was from he was from the city state of gath the same city that david was now fleeing to that's what nick nicholas said gath all right good job son you remember all right proud of you um so yes he fled to gath which was where goliath was from not only was goliath from there and he's uh staying there and, and talking to the king he's got goliath's sword they know what his sword looks like if david remembers his sword you know that the people that he went to war with know his sword and here he is with it so the people were like hold on as a matter here let's go back to the scripture really quick share something uh with you where's here we go now all of a sudden with david there in gath with uh with goliath's sword what happens they start talking about that number one hit again wait a minute isn't this the man that they sang and danced about saul has killed his thousands and david has killed his ten thousands that song kept coming back to uh um, sing David's praises but it was at inopportune times generally when it was brought up so what does David do says that uh, he took it to heart he became very afraid of the king uh, of King Achish of Gath so he pretended to be insane in their presence acted like a madman around them scribbling on the doors uh, of the gate and letting uh, spit just run all down his beard so Achish is like, look at this crazy man you brought me. Why did you do that? Like I don't have enough crazy people here. So uh, that allowed David to escape Gath, the place that he was going 
for um, for solace. And again, as time goes on or as you read further about the history of David, he returns to Gath, becomes a servant of uh, the king of Achish, becomes like the captain of the guard for the king for King Achish, and gets his own city within Gath for himself and his men. Talk about the favor of God. You get your own city for you and your people in the place of the man that you became famous for killing. And these people are still considered enemies. Yet you're living there, you're carrying out your business, and you got your own city. And that city stays within Judah for generations after David dies. So, you know, just again, shows the, the favor of, of God on his life. All right. So, again, he flees uh, to Nob. And, or I should say, he flees from Nob, goes to uh, Gath. Then he takes ca- uh, refuge in the cave of Adeline. So, while he's there, his family then comes to him. Uh, everybody in his family is like, okay, well, we need to go where David is. We know everything that's going on with him. Um, we need to go be of support. But not only do we need to go be of support to him, we need to be around him because if they're trying to kill him, they may try to kill us to get to him. So they came, and not only did they come, but some other men, about 400 men, came and joined up with David. Now, this is a true lesson in leadership, and we should all be seeking to lead by showing the love of God. We should be ministering to somebody. But this, you know, just kind of shows you uh, who are the prime candidates for ministry. Every man who is desperate, in debt, discontented, those are the ones that rallied around him to make him their leader about 400 men were with him so as he's starting out he's starting out with a ragtag bunch of upset surly misfits <laughs> that's who the lord leads to him to lead but these men will become a great uh military force they will conquer so many lands and they will take in so much Uh, um, material and and wealth and and livestock and things of that nature they that was part of the reason why the king of gath gave him ziklag was because they will go out on these raiding parties and bring back all this stuff and give it to him so it was like you making me rich man like i i want you to be with me until i die don't go anywhere so um this ragtag bunch the lord used to help david do some mighty things so Regardless of whether or not right now you're desperate, in debt, discontented, the Lord can still use you to do mighty things for and through him. So from there, David went to uh, King of Moab, Mizpah, uh, or I should say went to Mizpah of Moab, which is where the king was, said, hey, you know, my, my, my parents are old. They can't be running around uh, Judah with me all in the wilderness and stuff. Uh, can you please take care of them? He's like, yep, we'll uh, keep them here. We'll take care of them. And 
then the prophet Gad said, don't stay in the stronghold. Cave of uh, Avalam was considered a stronghold. It's, it's a cave. It's in a mountainous area. You know, you don't just have caves in flatland. Uh, generally, that's something that's within a mountain. So that's a, it's a stronghold, it's a fortified place. But he said, leave your place of strength. Leave your place where you have a military advantage and go to the land of Judah. So David, heeding the word of God, did that. And then Saul heard about it. He started going after him again. Got his spear in his hand. Told you, Saul loved that spear. Had a spear in his hand sitting under the tamarisk tree. Um, and then he went looking after um, looking after David. And not just that, but he gets upset with his people. It's like, you know, he's conspiring against me. And you're not telling me anything. You know, he's in different places. Why Why are you all just now telling me this? My own son has even uh, gone against me on this. Like, nobody is telling me anything. And this man is out to do me harm, which David was not. But because of his insecurity, this is what Saul thought. So, you know, he, he's calling out his people. He's like, you all just going to let this man do this to me. And Doeg the Edomite, which I forgot to mention when we were talking about the city of Nob. When David went to meet with Ahimelech in Nob, Doeg the Edomite was there. Doeg the Edomite was uh, very important to the kingdom of Israel and specifically Saul because he was the chief herdsman for Saul. Now, throwing out another question for everyone i have to stop sharing to see the chats because you can't see chats when uh when you're sharing the screen doeg the edomite was his name edom was another name for the descendants of esau we know that uh israel and esau they're kinsmen jacob and esau they were the twins they were the boys that they came together uh, out of Rebecca's womb. Does anyone know or does anyone remember what Esau what Esau's strengths were? We know that um that Saul or should say Saul. Jacob. He had strengths and Esau had strengths. Uh, anyone remember what Esau's strengths were? Hunting. That's right, Heather. He was a hunter. He was one that was good with the bow and arrow. He knew something about uh, animals. He was out in the fields, whereas uh, Jacob was kind of a homebody. You know, he was a mama's boy. He was a homebody, had smooth skin, you know, not rough like uh, Esau's was. And he dealt more with, uh, with plant life. Yeah, no, nomad. Yeah, yeah uh, not, not as domesticated as Jacob was, absolutely. Uh, but Jacob, you know, he dealt more with the plant life. How do we know that? He was cooking up some stew with nothing but beans and vegetables in it. You know, he, he would fit in very well with today's society of uh, vegans and things. Yes, Jake, Jacob was domestic, absolutely. That's why he had smooth skin and 
He's always up under his mother and, and things of that nature. But um, Esau sold his birthright for the bean soup that David was making. And now we see that his descendant, Esau's descendant, Doeg, is taking care of the livestock, the, the herds for the king of Israel. Excuse me, in the promise that that Isaac gave to Jacob and Esau, he said that uh, it's all right. He said that he would serve his brother. And sure enough, he's serving his brother in uh, this capacity. So just, just a, another aside as far as that's concerned. So going back to the scripture, Doeg was like, okay, I got to do something because I'm the one that saw all this. I'm the one who said, hey, uh, you know, David was there with Ahimelech uh, getting weapons and food and supplies from him and getting prayer, having him seek the Lord's face for him. So, you know, let me say something about it. What does Saul do? Saul's like, kill them all kill all of the the priest he called them to him uh there at gibeah and then said kill them all that everybody's gonna die and the people were like uh okay Saul. like you telling me to do this but these are the priests like i'm not getting ready to to do all of that so what does Saul do in his anger he goes to the one who is not in covenant he goes to doeg the one who brought him the information it was like look you go do it and he did he killed 85 men uh that day who wore the uh the ephod and he killed all of them now again we started this chapter talking about the 400 men that were with him there was another man that was with him because they he not only did doeg kill all of the priests in the city of nile he took out all of Nob. So everybody in Nob, he killed. But one person got away. That one person that got away was Abimelech. I'm sorry, not Abimelech. Abiathar. Abiathar uh, was a priest. He was a son of Ahimelech. And he got away. He went with David. David was like, look, Saul's trying to kill me. He's trying to kill you. And he says, you'll be safe with me. Just stick with me. You know, we, we both have the same person uh, out for us, so I'll be looking out for you and you look out for me. And Abiathar became a very vital ally of David as he went on in life. Uh, when he went into exile again, when Absalom took over the throne, Abiathar and Zadok were told by David to stay behind and serve as spies for him. They helped David uh, escape Absalom as he was coming after them by passing information along. They also helped David with getting back to um, getting back to Israel as king because the word got passed along to David that look, the people want you back. Absalom's dead. We don't have a king. The king, you know, is only not here because Absalom uh, was chasing them, which is another important aside regardless of where you are or what you're doing or what you're going through 
whatever God has called you to be and has created you for, you are still that regardless of where you are uh, at that time. They called David the king, even though he was the deposed king and Absalom was dead. They still referred to him as the king because that's what God referred to him as. Anyway, I, I digress. Let's continue with the lesson. We only got a couple minutes left and we are almost done. So, uh, again, Abiathar was uh, very important to him and he was there with David and all the men. I think I missed a part. I did. Um, no, no, I didn't. It's, it's down here. Further. Okay, so anyway. David is with his men and they're in Judah and they hear about these Philistines attacking Keilah. So anybody who's looking to have uh, a child and they think, ooh, that's a pretty name, Keilah. It is a pretty name. Uh, feel free to name your uh, your daughter Keilah. I don't think that'd be a good name for uh, a young man, but feel free to name your daughter Keilah. Keilah means um, fortified. And that's just what uh, it was. It was a fortified city. Even though it was fortified, the Philistines got in and they started stealing the stuff. So what does David do? David, as being a man after God's own heart, which is another one of the, or just that's one of the main reasons why we're studying him, is that he's a man after God's own heart to see how that was. One of the main things that you'll see about David throughout his life is that he is a praying man when they came and stole everybody and burnt everything up in Ziklag instead of saying come on fellas let's go he prayed same thing in this situation he prayed he's like okay lord we I see what's going on and even though I just got done leaving Gath with the Philistines should I take these boys and go down and and, and put these uh these invaders these raiders in their place so he prayed and the Lord said, yep, go. And then he said, all right, fellas, let's go. And they're like, what? Go against the Philistines? Look, we're scared in Judah. How much more afraid are we going to be in Keilah with the Philistines? We're scared where we are. Why would we go do that? So what does David do? He once again goes and prays and seeks the Lord's face. Lord tells them, yes, go. I will hand the Philistines over to you. So it's all right, guys, uh, pull it together. Let's go and do this because God said he's with us and he definitely was with them. Again, he started off with about 400 men. They went in, they subdued the Philistines. David had nothing, but when he got done, this drove uh, their livestock away. When you read it in different versions, it says they carried it away. So they started off with nothing. They went, got rid of the Philistines, and in doing so, they got supplies. Because you, you're trying to feed a battalion of 400 men. That's a whole lot of eating. So uh, the Lord blessed them. They got some livestock. Uh, they inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines. And David rescued the inhabitants of Keilah. Excuse me. Um, yeah. He, uh, Abiathar was there with him. He brought the ephod with him. And don't forget when David, or I should say don't forget because I think I skipped over this, but Goliath's sword was behind the ephod in uh, Nob when he got it from Ahimelech. Uh, when 
Abiathar came, he brought the ephod with him, and David would use that ephod uh, with Abimelech to seek the Lord's face. Because word came that Saul was coming after me, he found out that he was there, and he said, Saul being good, God has uh, handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself by entering a town with barred gates. So the very thing that made Keilah um, attractive was that it was a fortified city. That same fortification, though, became a trap for David. And that's, that's another really good lesson to take away from this is that that which is there to protect you, if you're not trusting in God, can become a hindrance to you as well and can ensnare you. That which God has given you as a gift and as a tool can become a snare for you when you start focusing on it more than you're focusing on the person providing it. All right, let's continue. So David goes on. He gets uh, Abiathar. He's like, bring the ephod. Let us pray. And, you know, he prayed and was like, all right, Lord, what do we do? It's all coming. And will Keilah hand over me and my men to him? And the Lord answered very simply, he will come down, speaking of Saul. So David was like, all right, that's one part of the answer, but you didn't answer the whole thing. Will Keilah hand the men, hand me and my men over to Saul? The Lord came back and said, yep, they, he, they will. Good lesson here too. A lot of times when the Lord speaks, it's not in a whole lot of words. Just a word here, a word there uh, is how he often speaks to us. So David now has 600 men. When he got there, he had 400, picked up another 200. So his uh, his troop size increased by a third by the time he left Keilah. Word got back to Saul that David was out of there. So Saul called off the whole thing. He's like, all right, well, we're not going to go after him. He's not there. Uh, doesn't matter. We'll try to catch him another day. So. From that point on, David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. Saul searched for him every day, but God did not hand David over to him. And that's going to be where we stop today. Um, yes, he always repented as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is another very important part about david's life we just don't have time for all that today like i said the boys and i we've been doing this since like december 2018 and we're close to the end but we're not not quite there yet uh so yeah lots and lots to go over and learn looking at the life of david all right questions got a couple minutes here i'm done Thank God. I, I thank God for uh, putting that on my mind. So, yeah, I'll be out there. All right. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay, so since I like to have all the interaction and things, now I'm going to ask you all some questions. Just throw out some key points and things that you took away uh, from this lesson over this past hour. 
very good lesson, especially for the kids. Absolutely. I'm uh, uh, we, we are all leaders. And again, I'm teaching them about David's life as a means of showing them how leaders who love God carry themselves. Absolutely. But y'all tell me some some what tell me some some key points from today's lesson. And I'll try not to take all your stuff while I'm going through and saying some different things um, that I have as key points for today's lesson. We know again that David was a fugitive king. We know that he was delivered from the hand of Saul on many occasions kept his best friend from uh from trying to to take him out he sought the lord absolutely absolutely if you don't take anything else away from today's lesson is that david being a man after god's own heart sought the face of the lord regarding what he should do when he should do it and how he should do it and even after the lord gave him direction when he was still a bit uneasy about things like okay the people not with me are you sure went and taught his face again absolutely that is one of the key pieces especially about the uh the story of, of Keila as i was studying it yeah <laughs> yes i felt as a spearman yeah he he loved that spirit but at least from the scripture that we've read every time he went to throw it he didn't hit anybody yes uh, David had the Lord's favor, absolutely had his favor uh, as a child, had his favor as far as uh, not being killed by Saul, had his favor as far as the people, uh, you know, singing the, the hit song, uh, thousands and ten thousands, that's what we'll call it. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. Um, let's see, what else do we have here? Ryan, sounds like you're getting ready to say something. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, okay, I should talk Daniel's man of the guy's on heart because he sought God ongoing. Yep, absolutely. That's one of the key uh, pieces of being after God's heart. We have to seek his face. We, as Relationship Church, are seeking to be in a relationship with God. That's the most important thing. How can you be in a relationship with anyone without having communication? Communication is a lifeblood of a relationship. You can't say, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that that's that's uh, my, my husband over there. I just love him. You know, we talk like every six months or so, um, you know, and, and only for a couple of minutes because, you know, uh, uh, we kind of rub each other the wrong way. But I, ooh, I love him. It's like, what kind of what kind of relationship is that? You have to have communication. Same thing with our relationship with God. We must make time to spend time with him. Scripture uh, says that uh, the sheep know the shepherd's voice and another they will not go to. And I feel like Ryan was teaching on this not too long ago. I might be mistaken. Um, okay, he was. All right. I, I thought so. I was like, it was either him or somebody else I listen to all the time as far as podcasts are concerned. Maybe you all both said it. But anyway, how is it that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd? It's because they hear him talking to him all the time. 
they know what his voice sounds like. They know what his his uh, timbre is like. They know the the cadence that he uses in speaking. They know his voice because they are spending time with him and hearing from him. As we pray, it can't just be, oh Lord, you know, I need this, fix that. You see this over here, you see that over there. That is important as well. We need to make our petitions to God. He tells us to do that. But we also need to take time to listen and to hear from him and to ask him, look, speak, Lord, please speak, because that's where we get our direction from. Um, people recognize David as a leader, even when he wasn't in a place of power. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that goes for us as well, regardless of where we are or what we're doing as children of the king. We are royalty. <laughs> and uh, my boys might be laughing with me as I say this, because that's something my father would say to me often. Um, my great grandmother was a princess. My grandfather was a chief and my father actually turned down a chiefdom to come to the U.S. So he would say to me all the time. You are royalty. When you walk, you walk with your head high. You do not look down. You are royalty. You are blue blood. And likewise, we are royalty. We are blue bloods. We are children of the king. I may live in blackjack right now. And uh, being a Nigerian prince does nothing for me on the outside, per se. But there are things and, and benefits that come along with that. And likewise with us, and, and Nicholas laughed. <laughs> uh, he, he privately laughed. Yeah, I thought that uh, that they would get a kick out of this. Anyway, um, we're royalty. Regardless of where we are, we are royalty. We are children of the king. So it doesn't matter whether we're uh, a janitor at, at a fast food location or we're the vice president of a bank with children of the king. And there are benefits and privileges that come with that, and we need to carry ourselves as such. Yes, through Christ you are king, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for tonight. Uh, going to close us out in a word of prayer. Excuse me, were there any, um, thank you, Jesus. Uh, if, if it was good, it was the Lord. All the mess ups, that, that's me. But everything that was great, that, that was God. And I'm grateful that he used me and, and did great things on tonight. Um, any questions and or requests?